Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We talked a little bit about Draymond Green. He's done it again. This is what it sounded like last night. Fields has picked up his third foul. And now Green runs over Nurkic, and he'll be called for the foul. And they're going to take a look at this. See Jason Goble indicating they will go to the monitor here. Nurkic is down in a heap. Green just plows right over Nurkic. Boy, that is a swipe across the face. Number two. After video review, Green makes unnecessary and excessive contact to the face. The foul has been upgraded to a flagrant foul penalty two, and Green has been ejected from the game. All right. That's courtesy of TNT. It's bringing Charles Barkley, the Hall of Famer. Also, uh, check out King Charles with Gail King, Wednesdays at 10 Eastern on CNN, a one-hour talk show with the uh, co-host. All right, Chuck, here we are with Draymond Green yet again. (laughs) What do the Golden State Warriors do? What's their role in this? Because it feels like the commissioner can suspend him, and it doesn't matter. You know, one of my one of my favorite people in the world is Herm Edwards. He's one of the great men, not great coaches, one of the great men I ever met. And he would say, hey, you know what? The NFL is not going to do anything to you. But you know what? My job is not just to win football game. My job is to teach you to be a grown, grown-ass man. He says, I'm going to suspend you. Uh, I think the Golden State Warriors, you know, because Adam – Adam, Adam doing doing something really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But when your boss says, "Hey, you know what? It's time for us to sit you down," because you know you just lose money when the league suspends you. I think you need to be embarrassed when your boss says, "Hey, you know what? You're hurting the team. I'm gonna do something to you." So I think it's up to the Golden State Warriors to, "Hey, you know what, Draymond? You've been great for this organization. Been great for the team, but you're not worth." The effort, you know, we're tired of dealing with this BS. So I think the Warriors need to step in and say, hey, even even before Adam does anything today, because he's going to get suspended. If the Warriors came out and said, hey, can we handle this situation? 
I think that would be the right thing to do, Dan, personally. Yeah, but I don't know if you say, all right, we're going to suspend you for 10 games. I, I don't think Draymond can be embarrassed. And I think that's part of the problem, that you cost your team, uh, you know, with the suspension in the NBA Finals, the number of times, like 20% of the games I think he's been thrown out of this year. I mean, he's, he's become an embarrassment for the NBA. Maybe the Golden State Warriors go, hey, he's a necessary evil here. Not anymore. You, it's a necessary evil when you're winning, not when you're losing. And he's frustrated because he can't play the way he used to play. That's probably what, what as a player, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, man. Because I'm not saying this because I like Draymond. Everybody likes Draymond. But, Dan, I started doing stupid stuff when I couldn't play anymore. It was very frustrating. You Like, my last two years with the Rockets, I sucked as a player. You know, I actually hit Othella Harrington. Nobody knows about it. Othella Harrington, I hit him in practice because he was working so hard and there was nothing I could do about it. So I took him, I threw him down. And Rudy Tom Jones, who I really respect, is we're going we're gonna to vote and you're not going to play. And I was humiliated, but it was because I couldn't play anymore. So I was playing dirty. I see the same thing with Draymond. He's not the same player and he's frustrated. But one thing about you have to go old gracefully because he's accomplished a lot in this game. But when you can't play anymore, it's very frustrating. And that's what you see now from him. That's what I see as a player. And they let him talk after the game. I would think if you got kicked out of a game that they wouldn't have you on the podium. But, I mean, he loves the attention. Yeah, but, Dan, I'm going to tell you something. I, I noticed something he does. And you can just tell. He always says, you know, I'm not going to apologize for anything. That's his go-to response. I'm like, nah, dude. Because he said the same thing last time he was suspended. He said, well, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to apologize. He said the exact same thing last night. I'm like, yeah, that's a flaw, bro. You letting people down. It's all right to say. One of the biggest problems with celebrities today, Dan, not just Draymond, they're afraid to say, hey, you know what? I really screwed up. It's my fault. They have their handlers like write these stupid statements and things like that. I tell them, I said, it's all right to say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. But nobody wants to do that. Draymond needs to say, you know what? Last time I got suspended, I was wrong. I was wrong for what I did tonight. And I don't know if he has the pride. He needs to say it. Hey, you know what? I was wrong, and I let my team down again. That's what he needs to say. None of that, hey, I'm not going to change. I'm who I am, what I am. No, that doesn't work anymore because you're not the same player. You know, Bill Cowher, somebody I really admire, we are talking about Chip Kelly one day when he, he cut all his good players and he got traded to the um, – when he took over for the Eagles. And Bill Cowher, somebody who called me, he says, hey, you know Chip Kelly? I said, no, I never met Chip Kelly. He says, tell him – Quit cutting all his good players because he don't like them. This is not like college. Where you can just roll another two-star, three-star out there. He says, sometimes your players are assholes. You just have to deal with them. I mean, Bill, Bill Cowher, I'm telling you, I love Bill Cowher. But he said, he said he called me out of the blue. And, I mean, I know him. But he called me out of the blue. He says, please tell Chip Kelly, this is the pros. This is not college. You don't, you can't, even though you don't like a guy, you put up with a guy. Because he cut Deshaun Jackson and cut Deshaun McCoy because he didn't like them. I said, he said, tell him this is not Oregon. You don't have to like your players. <laughs> he, he did. He said, you don't have to like your players. 
but you have to deal with assholes when you're coaching today. It was really a funny conversation. We're talking to Charles Barkley, the Hall of Famer. You can check out King Charles with Gail King Wednesday nights at 10 Eastern on CNN. But I think the Golden State Warriors are culpable in this. They're complicit. Because if I go back to the Jordan Poole moment, when Draymond punches him, nobody rushes to Draymond and, like, what are you doing? Like, they didn't do anything. They all just kind of, like, meander, like, this maybe you know, Jordan Poole had it coming or Draymond does this kind of stuff. And they kept him. And then they got, you know, eventually got rid of Jordan Poole. And well, I, I'm sure he's emboldened by that. Well, I think what happens, Dan, you know this. You see it all the time in sports. Everybody always amazed and shocked. I always laugh. I said, man, shut the hell up. I says, if you are a good player or a great player, you can get away with murder. And nobody says anything as long as you're winning. The problem was happening with Draymond now is they're not winning anymore. Yeah. But, Dan, when you win, players can get away with anything. That's the, I always am, I'm amazed when the public be all, oh, I'm outraged. I'm like, why are you outraged? When you're winning, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. But like I say, the problem with Draymond now is they're not winning. That team's not any good. But, you know, there's nothing they can really do because they're stuck with him. I think he signed a four-year extension. And so he's going to be there no matter what. Yeah. Uh, Last night, the Joker got thrown out on uh, Serbia night, (laughs) the Bulls game. Uh, In the second quarter, he gets tossed. So you're throwing out – I guess there's magic words that you use that it's going to be automatic that you're going to – I mean, and don't use those words here, but – Are there automatic words, if you say that, you will get a technical, you may get tossed? You know, that's a great question. I'm not sure. I've been tossed a few times, but I think think only twice I got tossed when I wasn't intentionally trying to get tossed, to be honest with you. So uh, I just kept pushing, pushing, pushing when I was trying to get tossed. But I don't think there's no magic words. But... Joker had to say something bad to get tossed on Serbia night. Uh, or, or the ref, you know, I don't think, because, you know, he's such a great kid and a great player. I'd be curious exactly what he said. I'd be curious if he cursed him out in Serbian or English. Because, you know, I, I, if you curse him out in Serbian, the ref probably had no idea what he said. So uh, I'd be curious to know exactly what, what Joker said to get tossed on Serbia night. Did you play against players who might have said things to you in a different language? You had no idea what they were saying to you? Another great question. I don't uh, I don't remember coach cursing me out. I mean, I don't remember a player saying anything crazy to me in a foreign language. But I probably would have laughed if, even if I thought it was, it was vulgar. Uh, but no, I don't remember any player cursing me out in a foreign language. But that would have been flat out hilarious. I think you be, you were thrown out of sixteen games. That's it. <laughs> well, it's not exactly your Rashid Wallace here. But I well, because I know I had a I, I'm way up on the technicals list. I'm way up on the technicals list. But so sixteen. Um, but I probably fourteen of those I deliberately tried to get tossed. But or did you get fined or tossed when you pulled down Shaq when you guys were having that altercation? Anybody get in trouble there? We both got in trouble with our moms. Shaq, <laughs> Shaq, 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 Shaq mom and my mom were best friends. And before we got to the locker room, they were already blowing up our phone. 
And uh, yeah, I used to get on my mom's case all the time because my mom and Shaq's mom, and there's another lady named Martha Corman. They were like three trips. We used to call them the Golden Girls. They would take like 25 vacations a year. <laughs> and my mom would spend money like Shaq's mom. And I, Shaq made 12 <laughs> times the money I made. I'd call and yell at my mom. I'd be like, Mom, why are y'all staying at the Ritz and the Four Seasons? Why can't y'all stay at a, a W? Or, or a Hotel Six, but they would always stay at these great hotels. I used to yell at my mom. That's the only time I yelled at my mom. She said, that's mom, I didn't make Shaq's type money. Stay at a Motel Six or a Weston or a Hyatt, somewhere like that. You don't have to stay at the Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons. Yeah, I used to laugh all the time. I said, mom, Shaq make a lot more money than me. Uh, Paulie, uh, how many technical? Where's Where's Charles on the technical list? Okay, this list I think is pretty good. Top five with technical fouls. Five is Rodman, Gary Payton with two fifty, Rasheed Wallace with three hundred seventeen, Charles Barkley with three hundred twenty nine technicals. Hey, congratulations! He just got beat up by the mailman with three thirty two. Carl Malone. Yeah, I, I knew I had quite a few, but like I say, I probably you say I got ejected like fifteen times, sixteen I, times, I think. Yeah. Yeah, a 14 of those were deliberate, and twice I think they, they ref overreacted to me calling names. But why – I'm wondering why you want to get thrown out of a game. You never want to get thrown out of a game. But you just said you did it 14 times. Well, sometimes, you know, the ref is just so bad or you it's a, or the game's <laughs> over. You know, I think I think one, one thing that happens when guys are getting technicals, especially when you're a great player, you get a technical – just to let them know, like, hey, I deserve some calls also. I think a lot. Because, you know, the guys you mentioned, uh, Carl, like me and Carl, Carl was a hell of a player, a great player. Like, sometimes you just want to get your point of view across. So you want to get a technical. But you never really want to get tossed. But there's a couple times probably the game was over. We were getting out behind, kicked. You're like, hey, you know what? Let me get in the damn shower quickly and get this thing over with. But you never really want to get tossed because you're going to hurt your team. Like, sometimes, like, you know, you see doing it. I'll give you an example, Dan. You see a lot of times where coaches, you can see they're deliberately trying to get technicals because the referee's like, you know what, I gave them a technical. Maybe I should give them some calls because refs, they're paying attention also. Remember when Phil Jackson used to whine all the time? You know, he know the refs was watching TV or reading the newspaper. So this, it's a psychological game with the refs sometimes. Because some refs are cowards on the road. Like if you go to a hostile environment, they're intimidated by the home crowd. So you have to stand up for yourself. They're giving because they, they, they hear everything the crowd saying. You hear it also as a player. And some refs, we used to look around. We did not want certain refs on the road because they were intimidated. Like who? I'm not doing Stop it, Dan. Okay. I, I just, okay, stop it. I'm just being a journalist. How much do you celebrate winning the in-season tournament if you're the Lakers? Are you, Dan, are you serious right now? <laughs> are you serious right now? They're going to raise a banner, Charles. Are you serious right yeah, now? No. Now, if you're the Pacers, I said you do a parade, you do a banner in the ceiling, any reason to celebrate. You, you do in-season rings for the Pacers if you win against the Lakers. But Dan, the, let me <laughs> let me tell you something. If the Pacers do an in-season parade, I'm going to Indy for that. Okay, no, we don't. You know, it, it was a resounding success. Yeah, uh, everybody's really happy with the in-season tournament, but we're not raising banners. 
We're not doing parades. They were doing champagne with goggles, Charles. You know, <laughs> I'm so glad that I wasn't watching. Uh, I'm so glad that I wasn't watching Saturday night. If I saw them doing champagne for the in-season tournament, yeah. I could say it was a resounding success. <laughs> but if the late, uh, you don't do you don't do champagne for the in-season tournament. I'm glad I did not see that. I'm really glad I didn't see that. And then people on social media said, uh, hey, Jordan never won an in-season tournament, and LeBron has. And I went, he didn't play in an in-season tournament. But how important would an in-season tournament have been to Jordan? Well, I think, all first of all, you just want to win the games. I don't think it would have been uh, – listen – I think it would have been a better story personally if the Pacers had a one because sure. it was a it was a really coming out party for Therese Halliburton. He was fabulous, unbelievable. Seemed like a great kid, also. Uh, but the Lakers, they're the Lakers. There's two teams in the NBA that championship or bust matter to. The Lakers and the Celtics are the gold standard. Uh, you can throw the Bulls in there a little bit and the Spurs, but if you're the Lakers or the Celtics, only thing matter is the board championship. And listen, like I say, it was a great success. But the in season tournament, I I really the Lakers better not have a put up an in season. I think tournament. they are. That listen, man, if they do that, I'm gonna roast their ass on TV. <laughs> you know we're gonna have to talk about it. If they put that in season tournament banner up, Dan, I'm gonna roast them on television. By the way, the Bulls are doing a ring of honor, and that means they're inviting Phil and Mike and Scotty. Well, I'm trying to figure out, first of all, <laughs> the Bulls are an embarrassment to the NBA. I have zero idea what they're doing. They should have had a clearance sale like three years ago. I, mean, I was like, Dude, y'all stink, y'all stink, y'all stink. Get rid of get, You got to start. I'm trying to figure out when they're going to start to rebuild. I was like, and were they waiting on Michael and the guys to die before they come up with the ring of honor? I mean, don't they have a statue out front? I think you'd rather have a statue than be in the ring of honor. No disrespect to being, because I'm in no, the he's ring gonna of honor. he's going to have both. He's going to have both. But can you what, what, imagine what, what, Scotty and Mike crossing paths at the ring of honor? Hey, they're not going to do that on the same night. I no, get they are. No, they no. are. They're no, inviting. Everybody is going to be there, and it's next month. You know what? I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. You might not make it. You might make it awkward, even more awkward if you go. No, I'm just going to sit back in the corner and stare. <laughs> hey, I'm praying. I think Golden State goes to Chicago in mid-January, so Steve Kerr will be there. Please, please don't have it a night I got to work because I want to <laughs> go there and be a fly on the wall. Paulie, I, check and see. I think it's like January 12th that Golden State goes to Chicago, Ring of Honor, Rodman, Phil Jackson, Mike, Scotty, uh, maybe. They, should, they shouldn't do it. On the same night, because that's the only way they're going to go to crowd is on a ring of honor night. For, they, should, they should spread it out. Uh, they're, putting, they're putting all those guys in there the same night? I think so. Yeah, Paulie. Yeah, halftime on January 12th confirmed at the Bulls game. And bonus coverage, Charles, the Lakers will unveil the NBA in-season tournament banner to be hung on uh, December 18th. Yes! 
Oh, my God. Wait, what night of the week is the Bulls thing? What is the January 12th? Friday. Friday night. I can be there. <laughs> I can be there. Maybe you go with Michael Jordan's son. Dan, <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you something. I'm going to have to go to Chicago that day just to, just to see it. I mean, you talk about weirdest, uncomfortable. <laughs> that uncomfortable won't do it justice. I mean, I, dude, people, people, first of all, nobody's going to watch the Warriors or the Bulls. Okay, let's get that out the way. <laughs> Nobody's going to see the Warriors against the book, but everybody's going to have their camera focus on those guys. I can't wait. People to go are going to show up at right at the end of the second quarter. That's exactly right. They, that's like they're going to go and get all liquored up the first half, and they're going to leave right after halftime. Yes, yes. just like you would. I, I, there's no reason to watch the Bulls against the uh, the Warriors at all. Thanks for getting up for us. Oh, no problem. Are brother. we going to see you in Vegas at the Super Bowl? Dan, what? I'm really having a hard time with that decision. Because, you know, me and my boys, I take about 12 of my boy, boys. Uh, we've been to Vegas 26 straight years for the Super Bowl. Oh, I know. You blew us off in Arizona. We were supposed well, to go to your crib. We're going to Vegas. We're going to be there. Now you're saying you don't want to go to Vegas? Well, it's going to be so crowded and so many people. So... I think I'm going to have all 12, 13 guys come to my house and stay at my house. Oh, so now you're going to be at your house. Well, because, Dan, mm -hmm. we've been to Vegas 26 straight years. Mm -hmm. Vegas is the best place in the world to watch the Super Bowl and have fun for the weekend and play golf and everything. But now all these losers <laughs> are going to be there for the Super Bowl. So we're going to put it to a vote, me and the 12 guys I've been with all these years. Right now, it's coming to Scottsdale, all stand at my house. It's in the clubhouse league. Well, you pay for everything, so you should be the only guy voting. Well, we don't know if I pay for stuff until after the gambling is settled, Dan. <laughs> you get everything free in Vegas yeah. until after the weekend. <laughs> yes. So we don't know if I got to pay for everything yet. Great to talk to you, and uh, good, right. lu good luck with King Charles. All right, brother. Hey, man, I appreciate you. You guys be safe, and hey, happy holidays. You too. Oh, Oh, hey, and happy Hanukkah, too. Oh, for Todd. Yeah. yeah. Happy, uh, uh. Really, it was more for my son-in-law. Screw Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right. That's happy Hanukkah, guys. Thanks. Merry Christmas. All right. That's Charles Barkley. King Charles with Gail King. Tonight at 10 Eastern on CNN. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Paulie Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. Of course, you know us as the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show. Yeah. Now, the suits at Fox Sports Radio gave us this airtime because they wanted us to tell you how great our show is. Why? Yeah, instead of us doing that, let's just let our millions of fans do the talking. Yeah, play the tape. You don't know crap about sports. I mean, why am I even on this crap? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's the wrong tape. Wrong tape. Just forget that. Look, listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that but there's just so much more good stuff in this game. 
and Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too? is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories. For 12 ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know, take over a minute to down a two-liter? Well, if you have, then you're going to love Pick 6. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now. Use the promo code DPSHOW for a chance to win huge cash prizes. That's code DPSHOW. Only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Is uh, Lewis Riddick of the Mothership, a former NFL safety, former... Uh Front office executive with the Eagles and with uh, Washington. He was on the call Monday night. The Titans surprising the Dolphins. And uh, he's got the Peach Bowl coming up. That'll be December 30th. It's Ole Miss and Penn State. Thanks for joining us. Do you think Bill Belichick knows uh, what his future is going to be in New England? <clears throat> then I would probably, I'd venture to say he does. Okay. I'd, I'd say he, him and, like after all these years, what is it now? Twenty-three years? Is it twenty-three seasons that he's coached up there? 
24 seasons. I would, I would hope that they have the kind of communication that's ongoing and continuous that kind of lets him know that, look, this is kind of what we're thinking about and how things are going to go here at the end of the year. I mean, those are the kind of things that just kind of like, to me, would, would seem like it would be a natural kind of conversation. That's the kind of respect he deserves. And I think he would want to know that kind of information, especially if Mr. Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, and the rest of the gang up there were going to go ahead and make a decision. I and, would, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked by it at all if, that, if, if, it, if it's actually coming to an end. How attractive do you think he would be for, let's say, the Chargers, Washington, Carolina, anybody else? Oh, he's he's attractive for everybody, especially from a from a program building standpoint in terms of philosophically how he thinks you have to win in the NFL. He's always been a guy who's been a step ahead as far as schemes, strategies, tactics. He he knows all that, so he hasn't lost his fastball in that way. But there's no question that some of the some of the decisions that he's made as far as player selection have really burned him, man. He's really he's really missed the mark on a couple of those. And see, that's gonna be that's gonna be it. What kind of GM? Who do you got? Who do you got that you're gonna pair with him that's gonna be able to withstand the kind of uh let's just say pressure a guy like Bill will put on you? Because I can just tell you this. It ain't like anything you've ever seen before, as far as being around somebody like that who is as demanding, as accomplished. It's not it's not for everyone. It's just not. But do you think he goes in, he wants to be the GM and the coach if he goes to another place? Or would he be willing to acquiesce to a GM? I I, I don't I don't really know. I, I would think that he would still I don't think he would ever just give it up totally. I don't think he'll ever just be a guy who says, Hey, you know what? I don't want anything to do with it. You just pick the players, I'll coach them. But I could see a situation now, like remember, Andy used to have control of everything when he was in Philadelphia at one time. Everything. Now, Tom Heckard worked with him, but Andy had control of everything. He became, and he he would probably tell you himself, and I don't want to speak for him, but I know how he has talked about it, but he became someone who became an even better coach as far as the details are concerned when he took a lot of that off of his plate, and he just had someone who he can trust. And right now, he's hit the sweet spot with him and Brett down in KC. So could Bill get? To, could Bill do that? Of course he could, but who would that guy be? Who would it be that he would trust in that way? What's your level of concern for the Chiefs? Oh, it's serious. It's, it's it's significant because, look, I, I think Andy used to say this all the time. Dan, when we were when we were in Philly, like when we were, we used to talk about player profiles, especially at the wide receiver position, and we talk about all this stuff about short area quickness and explosiveness, and he can do this. And Andy used to say this: Look, man, can this guy catch the ball or not? Because I'm <laughs> seeing some issues, okay? Because he would say, you know what. He goes, he'd be like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the number one job a receiver has to do is catch the thing? He used to say that all the time. And that worries me for this football team. But how do receivers not catch a football? You know, because honestly, some guys just have better hand-eye coordination and natural ability in game situations to track a ball in the stadium when someone's coming at them than other guys do. And some, I mean, you know how it is. There's guys who are, there's people who are practice players and there's people who are gamers. Some people, when you rep it and you're talking about it and there's no pressure, they look like all Americans, Hall of Famers. When the lights come on, they shrink. Some of the guys there don't step up and do the right things when the lights are the brightest. 
and that see that that's all we're talking about with KC now. It's not about well, are they going to make it to the playoffs and they are going to be no. With in KC, it's either Super Bowl or the season stunk. That's all. That's that's all it is. So yeah, I'm concerned. That I'm concerned for sure. Okay, I'm but sure le- level of concern more for Kansas City or Philadelphia moving forward? Uh, more for Kansas City. Really? I, yeah, I, I I think so, and I'll tell you why. Um. In the, in the NFL, the game still is going to – all right, so it's going to be about winning at the line of scrimmage in the postseason, and it's about explosive plays in the postseason. That's what it's about. Can you control the line of scrimmage? Obviously, turnover differential is always going to be there. Can you win at the line of scrimmage? Can you create explosives? It's just too hard to go 8, 9, 10, 12, 13 plays all the time. Philly can create explosives because they have, they have dudes who can do that. AJ can do it. Devontae can do it. Swift can do it. Kenny Gainwell can do it. In Phil, in in Kansas City, Travis can create explosives, but he's a tight end. He's not necessarily that guy who can flip a game on its head. And who else they got? That's the issue. And when you're talking about winning at the line of scrimmage, yeah, KC's offensive line is still very good, and their defense is one of the best in the NFL. I believe Philly's pass rush will start to show up. I am concerned about their secondary, but I do think they are still built enough the right way. And Jalen Hurts will get on the same page with his offense, and Brian Johnson will get it going to the point where I think they will still be there in the end. It'll be between, obviously, it'll be between Dallas, Philly, and San Fran and the NFC. The AFC is a little bit tougher of a road for KC maybe than it's ever been, simply because they can't flip the game on its head with one play like they used to be able to. Former defensive back, now working for the mothership uh, with NFL College Football analysis he's uh, lewis riddick joining us on the program i'm going to play something that cam newton brought up on his fourth and one podcast and then mm. get get your reaction to it hey lamar jackson obviously patrick mahomes dak prescott brack parody like but brock let's they're not winning because of him he's not turning the ball over he's managing the game and if we were to put that in its own right as game managers Brock, Parody, Tua Tonga Valoa, Jared Goff, and really, Dak Prescott. Mm. These are game managers. They're, they're not difference makers. Okay, and the start of that answer, he talked about, you know, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, you know, they're, they're difference makers. And then he got to game managers with Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff. Is that a slight? Was it meant as a slight? Of course it's meant as a slight. Because, <laughs> you know, the, Cam sounds like somebody who, and I, and I like him. I, I, I like him. Every time I got a chance to talk to him, I've liked it. I like the guy. But Cam just sound Cam just, Cam comes off as like bitter, like because he thinks he should still be playing. And, he, and, you know, you've often heard him talk about the fact that he's better than a lot of the quarterbacks that are still playing in the NFL. And sometimes when you have that kind of feeling, like your, your opinions and your, the lens through which you look at these guys becomes a little bit distorted and jaded. And, and you say it in a way that kind of makes you feel better about where you're at, or rather it kind of makes you, it, it just makes you feel better, for lack of a better phrase here. Look, you know, I continue to have issues with this whole game manager versus we, uh, this guy wins the game BS. Because then, look, I, I played in an era where – all right, here, here are the great quarterbacks I played against, all right? I played against Troy when Dallas was mowing down everybody in Dallas. I played against Elway when TD was going for 2,000 yards and they had McCaffrey and they had Shannon and they had all those dudes. I played against Joe 
and I played against Steve Young when they had Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Brent Jones, Ricky Waters, Roger Craig, et cetera, et cetera. You know what, what's interesting? I remember being a scout when, when uh, Peyton had Edrin and he had Marvin Harrison, he had Reggie Wayne, he had Dallas Clark, and I'm sitting there going, look, these guys then are now, these guys then and now were considered some of the greats to ever play the game. And they had Hall of Famers all around them. But we become drunk with this notion that unless you are throwing the foot, unless you're getting hit in the face, the receiver's triple covered, the window's an inch by an inch, and you threaded through a keyhole, you're not elite. You're not that great. You're not that, if you, unless you're throwing it off balance across your body, no look, 70 yards in the air on a flat line, well, that mustn't, you're just benefiting from all the guys around you. And it's, it's really, Dan, it's become stupid. It's become stupid the way in which we are trying to individualize the game that we all know. The reason why we love it is because it's the greatest team sport ever. But we want we are so enamored with trying to put people in the levels and tiers. And that's why there's always this study about this is the category A quarterback, this is category B. It's it's like it's like um quarterback wins, right? Like we keep using that stat. Even though a quarterback could do everything possible in a game, and if he doesn't have the ball last and his defense gives it up in the end, it still goes as a loss for him. It's like we pick and choose. We move goalposts so damn much in this business, and we have such weird, weird ways of categorizing elite versus not. Yeah, we all know that Brock Purdy is not physically and from a throwing perspective as talented as Patrick Mahomes. No kidding. So what? Um, you know, Joe Montana wasn't as physically gifted as Steve Young. Steve Young's not as physically gifted, even though Steve Young's a Hall of Famer and one of my best friends, I love Steve Young to death. He's not as physically gifted as Lamar Jackson as a runner. Better throw, et cetera. See, like, it's just so, it's, I, I, I hate, I absolutely hate these conversations because right now Brock Purdy is right in the crosshairs, right? He's right in the crosshairs of everyone's debates right now concerning whether or not he should be he should be considered an MVP because anyone could do what Brock is doing. Well, also, if he was taken in the top ten, of course, we would look at Brock Purdy differently. There you go. And what does that tell you? The fact that we can sit here and admit this, we're already the fact that we could admit that that well, if he was taken in the top ten, that I wouldn't be having this conversation already shows you that really your opinion right now really doesn't mean a four-letter expletive that I won't say. It really doesn't mean anything because you're already admitting that you're biased simply because of where he came in. Yeah. And that right there takes all your credibility and you can just throw it out the door. I hope that I hope the guy, I swear, like I hope he wins the MVP so bad because there will, will be about six to eight months worth of conversation where people are going to be pissed off. Well, it's like when uh, the Joker was going to win three MVPs in a row, and mm-hmm. I, I think people had a problem because he doesn't jump high. He's he, exactly. There's no highlights. You know, exactly. a highlight will be a pass, and yep. I and I think that that well, he hadn't won a championship, so now he's won a championship yep. and probably should have been the MVP last year during the regular season. But you know, I don't need excitement. I need 
And and Joe Montana was a game manager, in in of my course. opinion. And Bart Starr was. And, and you know, there's Tom Brady early in his career. Yes, yes. We, we get Cam was not a game manager. Well, that's part right. of the problem with Cam. He didn't manage a game. If you don't manage a game, then you mismanage a game. Patrick Mahomes manages a game, and that means I'm going to make the right call at the right time. I'm going to make the right play. It doesn't mean you're limited physically. It's mentally you're ahead of people, and that's what I think. It's not a negative to me to say you know how to manage a game. Every great quarterback, guru, teacher, coach, whatever, if you ask them, give me the two primary factors that determine greatness in quarterbacks. They don't go off-schedule throws and excitement and whether or not he can throw the ball 70 yards. They don't say that. They say decision-making, accuracy. That's where they start. That's where they start. And everything else from there, obviously you need physical skills and to be able to pass the football. Yeah, of course. Decision-making and accuracy. But for Brock Purdy, it's like, well, he's not making decisions. Kyle's just telling him in his ear what to do. He's not actually throwing the football. That's an AI-generated guy out there throwing the football. I mean, well, what the hell do you want? You know, he's getting penalized for the things that the greats say you have to be able to do to play the position great. I like you fired up. I like. You. Yeah, I know. You know ready why? To ready to hit somebody. You know, you know I always love these conversations with you, man. This is always good stuff. You know what? Go go drill Orlovsky, like right in the middle of his back. Don't even tell him it's coming. Just like stick him. Uh, you know what? Back in the day, back in the early 90s, when we could actually hit quarterbacks and people didn't cry, I would have loved to. <laughs> Did you ever have a quarterback cry when you hit him? Cry? No. You know what? Because in our days, they didn't say a word. I mean, because they expected it. They expected it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you, man. I can tell you. I can just tell you one quick play. We're playing the Dallas Cowboys in the preseason once down at Texas Stadium, old Texas Stadium. We had scrimmaged against them when I was with the Raiders um, for like two or three days in training camp before that. And they kept running these skinny posts. And I wasn't, I kept getting, I was late on my break out of the middle of the field. And Gruden kept saying, he's like, are you going to ever make a play on this? Are you ever going to make a play on this route? Are you going to make a play on this route? Or are you just going to keep watching them catch it? They ran the same play in the in the game then. And I saw it coming. I saw the formation. I saw, I believe it was Jason Garrett was playing quarterback at the time. And I looked and I said, here it comes. I didn't even back up. I just made a beeline right for the receiver. Dan, I hit him with everything I had. Like it was a high shot up in the head, all this stuff. Nobody said a word. Like I literally walked by the guy and looked. Now, I understand why you can't do that now, but the game is totally different. It's totally different now. And I get why. No, quarterbacks didn't cry then, but they can – look, everybody can – you can't hit a guy hard right now without the whole sideline. You see everybody going like this. <laughs> Throwing <Don't> the flag. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. Can you imagine the old Raiders, the Al oh. Davis Raiders, if they played today? Guys would oh. be in jail. Yeah, they, they sure would. You'd have on the commis- on, on the suspended list, you'd have like 40 guys. Yeah. The Raiders 40. are on the commissioner's exempt list, That's the entire right. team. Hey, it's That's right. Great to talk to you. Have fun in the Peach Bowl, and uh, thanks for joining us. Of course, man. Thanks. That's Lewis Riddick of the Mothership. He'll be doing the Peach Bowl. That'll be uh, December 30th at noon, Ole Miss and Penn State. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Charles. All right, everybody, game off. 
Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too? It's funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find. That's not just a household item. Wow, you know I mean? even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you can also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. Like... A lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Barkley joined us in the first hour of the show. We'll bring back a couple of his comments about the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green. Tim Kawakami covers the Warriors, columnist for The Athletic, his podcast, The TK Show Podcast, and Tim joins us now. What did you see from Draymond last night and the Warriors? I just think this if it isn't over, this dynasty isn't over, it's getting real close. Uh, and I think last night was kind of a threshold moment. Draymond getting thrown out again, likely getting suspended again for the second time in a month. Uh, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney essentially kind of pulled from the rotation in the second half. This is uh, it's getting old. You know, literally, uh, these are older players, not Wiggins, but the other guys, they try to do it for one more time. Uh, and kind of the cycles of failure are being repeated this season, even going back to last season. And also they're speeding up. The, these th- This is happening. You know, we knew everything comes to an end. Dynasty has come to an end. Steph Curry is still playing great, but it wasn't going to last forever around him. And we're kind of seeing kind of a threshold moment, I think, where everyone was waiting for it. something good to happen. And last night was the exact opposite of it. Can Draymond Green change? 
I don't think so. You know, he got he punched a teammate last year, uh, and they traded the teammate, did not suspend Draymond, and gave him a four-year deal for $100 million. And listen, you have to be around the Warriors to understand <laughs> the full extent of why. Like, he has paid them back for their patience in, in a lot of different ways. They won a championship in 2022 when you didn't think maybe it was possible. But this kind of activity, this behavior has been – what he does he did this in the finals in 2016 we all know got suspended for a game probably cost him a championship draymond is apologetic for these things he is he apologized to Nurkic at least publicly i don't know if he did it personally for last night but this keeps happening uh and i don't know what you do or say I mean, even kerr last night was like asked what what can you do about it <laughs> like we just keep trying with draymond and they hope that he's there when it counts they hope he doesn't do this in the worst moments. They really need him now because, as I said, Clay and Wiggins, especially, their games have fallen apart. You need to have Draymond, who is still a pretty good player, still a very good player at times, and he keeps getting himself off the court. I don't know if you can count on that. And in fact, I would say you probably can count on him not being on the court more often. As I said, the cycle seems to be speeding up. It seems to be, you know, it's not going away, Dan. It's, it's definitely not going away. And again, he got $100 million after he punched a teammate. It's hard to go back from that if you're the Warriors. How much culpability is there with the organization? So, yeah, some, you know, listen, they, they made a gamble with this. They made a bet. Uh, it won them championships. These are players that are foundational figures. And I, I keep saying... None of this happens if Steph Curry doesn't want it to happen. Draymond Green does not get the $100 million contract, not the terms of it, but does not get that deal if Steph Curry didn't want Draymond Green beside him. Clay Thompson might not be here if if that's, you know, if, if Steph Curry doesn't want him there. He wants these guys around him because they've been so close. They've succeeded so much. They've created an atmosphere. It doesn't look like it now, but an atmosphere that has won so many things. 2022, really, once they won that championship, they were going to ride with these guys. The culpability is they wanted to try to keep put, put this together one more time, that they can't do it any other way. They don't want to break it apart. Well, they might have to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's looking like they do have to do that, but they put themselves in a position they can't do it right now. So, yeah, there's a culpability. It's a culpability for them saying what we had in 2022 and obviously the three championships before that is worth riding all the way till the end well we're seeing that now and it's not going to be poetry it's not going to be you know great songs being sung on the court this thing is going to end messy <laughs> and then we're be beginning to see how messy it can get where does steph curry's career go from here yeah i don't know i mean he's they're gonna have to take a look at this and can can they redo it and i don't even think i don't think they can redo it this year they're gonna have to do it in the off season quickly enough that it's going to match his timeline i don't know Remember the whole two timeline thing? That was what this was supposed to be. But Wiseman did not turn out to be a you know a player who could do that. We'll see with Jonathan Kaminga. We'll see with Moses Moody. I kind of think they're going to sputter around on this and and kind of like do stuff on the margins. Maybe you you trade Chris Paul. That's the one really tradable piece they've got because of his contract. I don't think they can trade Clay Thompson. I don't think they can trade Draymond Green. Certainly not for anything that's good. So you might kind of just. See what they got this season, and then try to make something big for some player who matches his timeline next season. And I think next season is the last go. It might the last go might be now. I mean, Dan, it really it might have been last season. But Steph is playing so well. I think you owe it to him not to blow it up, and you give him 
Maybe you try to trade for a 28-year-old, somebody who's in his prime. Maybe you try to sign that guy in some, you know, convoluted deals using Chris Paul's contract. But this is what it's going to look like with him, too. I mean, I mean, you know, when they were out of the playoffs before they won in 2022, it looked like this. Scramble around Steph, trying to trust everything, and they don't have enough around him. They'll be very frustrated if they do that for another three, four years of his close to his prime. They don't have a ton of options around that. This might be what it is. But Steph will end his career as a warrior. I think, I mean, he signed for three more years. Uh, he likes it. Again, I don't think he's a guy who's going to be, you know, ring hunting. He's got four of them. Uh, as long as he feels like they're trying their best to put something around him that works, I don't see how they do it. It just doesn't work that way. Whether Clay's a warrior yeah, for I much know. longer, I mean, whether, <laughs> whether Wiggins is, a, I mean, that's different, but I don't think. Steph Curry leaves the Warriors certainly not anytime soon. And this is it just this is the place where he's called it a career. This is a place where he's won. He's built a life here. Very tough to say. Oh, you know, go send me to Chicago or go send me to Orlando. That's going to be hard for me to see. Great to talk to you again, Tim. Hope you're well. Thank you for uh, joining us. You got Dan. That's uh, Tim Kawakami, columnist for the Athletic, covering the Warriors. Make sure to check out the TK Show podcast. Charles Barkley was with us in the first hour. And uh, we talked about a couple of things. And uh, one was his reaction to uh, Draymond Green last night. He's frustrated because he can't play the way he used to play. That's probably what, what, as a player, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, man. Because I'm not saying this because I like Draymond. Everybody likes Draymond. But, Dan, I started doing stupid stuff when I couldn't play anymore. It was very frustrating. You like my last two years with the Rockets, I sucked as a player. You know, I, I actually hit Otella Harrington. Nobody knows about it. Otella Harrington, I hit him in practice because he was working so hard and there was nothing I could do about it. So I took a I threw him down and Rudy Tom Jones, who I really respect, says, We're gonna we're gonna vote and you're not gonna play. And I was humiliated, but it was because I couldn't play anymore. So I was playing dirty. I see the same thing with Draymond. He's not the same player, and he's frustrated. I also asked Charles about the role that the Golden State Warriors play in disciplining Draymond Green. I think the Golden State Warriors, you know, because Adam, Adam, Adam doing doing something really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But when your boss says, "Hey, you know what? It's time for us to sit you down," because you know you just lose money when the league suspends you. I think you need to be embarrassed when your boss says, hey, you know what, you're hurting the team. I'm going to do something to you. So I think it's up to the Golden State Warriors to say, hey, you know what, Draymond, you've been great for this organization, been great for the team, but you're not worth the effort. You, you know, we're tired of dealing with this BS. So I think the Warriors need to step in and say, hey, even, even before Adam does anything today, because he's going to get suspended, if the Warriors came out and said, hey, can we handle this situation? I think that would be the right thing to do, Dan, personally. That's Charles Barkley who joined us first hour of the program. And I don't know if the Warriors can say, Commissioner, let us take care of it. Like, um, you know, with uh, John Morant. If if the, they could say, let us discipline him. Because it really comes down to, he's your player. And you're the ones that are around him and policing him. And you need to win. And this is something that they've looked the other way for a long time because they realized at the end of the season, 
Draymond Green is going to be a positive, not a negative. But during the regular season, he's more of a negative now than he is a positive. Yes, he... Draymond did that right in front of the Warriors bench yesterday. And the only reaction was one player putting his hands up like this. The coaches turn their heads and look. Steve Kerr doesn't even turn and look right away. He's still looking off to the side. After Draymond's just punched a dude in the face right in front of the bench, he doesn't even go like, whoa! There's not even anything, not even an ounce of surprise. They just look, and they're like, oh. They're desensitized. They are. They're, they're not surprised with it. You can't be surprised with anything that he does. It's a shame. But this is where you buy into an act. He bought into the act. I'm a villain. So what? No amount of money. Do you find me is going to bother me? You can suspend me. Doesn't matter. And management has my back. My teammates have my back. I knocked out a teammate. That teammate got traded. I got $100 million. You can understand why Draymond goes out there and probably continues to act this way. It's not like Steve Kerr goes, you know what? I'm going to sit you down for a while. Yeah, I, I need you to think about this because you're not the player you once were. I need you to be smart. And for all those analysts who say, man, he's one of the brightest guys in the NBA, he can't be that bright. At some point, you're not that bright. Rodman, to me, was bright because he understood how to do it, toe the line, but he was waiting for you to punch him. Draymond, is one, he's going to be punching you. All right, a couple of phone calls in here. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Curtis in Kansas joins us on the program. Good morning, Curtis. Morning, Dan. Morning. And the boys and Todd. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about your olive story and the lady going out of the store. Uh, I've worked at a grocery store for 27 years. Okay. So, um, A, she should have just turned around and told you where it was at. And B, the other thing, when you said we take great pride in letting you know where it is, it's not great pride. We have to tell you because um, it's very simple to look up on the signs and find it where it's at yourself. But, you know, it's it's as Paulie said, I think it was Paulie said, um, uh, you know, you're the guy that's come in there five times and you ask silly questions. When you have people that shop in there on a daily basis and come up and ask you those silly questions, it's mostly because um, they don't have contact with people and they might be lonely. And I'm I'm beginning to worry about you. You're getting close to retirement. And uh, you're going to the grocery store to um, ask some questions just to talk to people that, you know, I know you talk all day, but it's it's a little different. Thank you, Curtis. No, and you could be onto something. Curtis, stay on the line. We want to send you some gear. Yes. You know, the thing is, is uh, sometimes I'm not even going there to pick up anything. I never said I went and got the olives. How often can one person ask for olives at the store? <laughs> hey, hey, uh, where are the olives? Uh, same place they were yesterday. I know this poor guy, he I comes know. in. It's probably like three times a month I he know. asks for olives. He comes God. in, he needs olives. Isn't that the guy who used to be at Sports He's Center? So lonely. Like, what happened He's to so him? Excuse me, uh, where is the peanut butter? And what are you doing for the weekend? I got nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. It doesn't. I'm just saying. I just go in and say hello to people, walk by the seafood area. Joe is there. Sometimes we'll say... Uh, you know his name? Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you, just, do you just lean your arm up on the counter? Sometimes I'll go, hey, I'm just here for the halibut. And, and then he'll go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but are you the guy leaning their arm on the corner talking to I, Joe? And, and Joe's serving other people, but you're just kind of like, so you're getting a half pound of I cornered a woman who worked there, and we talked cheese for probably about 15 minutes. The people are usually just lonely. Yeah. They don't have any. <laughs> and, and, and Curtis could be right. Uh, you know, I have everything, but... I really don't have anything. And that's why I go to the grocery store sometimes. You know, my wife, normally you don't want to go to the grocery store because those, you know, those people with their carts, I mean, they mean business at certain times of the day. And, you know, I like to go when it seems to be a little bit quieter around dinner time. Just chat with people. <laughs> just say hello. Starbucks, I would, you know, drive through, just say hello, just see how you're doing. Yeah, smart. Saturday morning, Sunday mornings. Prime time yeah. grocery store shopping. Can be, yeah. yeah. Go out there in your pajamas and your flip-flops. I just, you know, sometimes you just go in and you just you just say hello. That's all. Yeah, Todd. Would you do something like that at the deli counter? Hey, slice thin, boar's head, good call by you, just to chat it up. Yes. It's a little disturbing. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I've become my older brother, and i become my father-in-law. My father-in-law, by the way, would go to the grocery store and just stay there for hours. And he would just be there and talking to people. <laughs> and it, he had friends. You have friends. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.